1: And good morning. Welcome to another edition of the Northland Sports Page. It's Brian Prudhomme. It's John Carlson, a pair that you should get used to during the prep hockey season. No, Dave Cook is not still ill. He is off the injured list or the illness list. (laughs) This was a planned absence. Nobody needs to worry that we broke up because he missed our anniversary (laughs) show and he's missing the week after. But this part was planned. And anytime I have a good backup plan that
2: usually involves John Carlson. Good morning, sir. Well, good morning to you, and uh, thank you for having me back. I think the last time I was here, uh, we talked about your favorite... Insomnia cure. Yes, you got me to
1: talk about golf. That's Only right. you could get me to willingly do that. That was a <laughs> master's episode of the Northland
2: Sports Page. Hopefully we've mastered the art of doing this show together for today. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun uh, conversation. I'm looking forward to listening to Paul Allen, what, see what he has to say about the Vikings.
1: Absolutely. He's going to kick our number two off at about five after 11. He'll join us today. And yeah, it's, it's almost beyond words, but PA might be the best at finding them to describe what the heck the Vikings are doing going from 1-4 and to 5-4. and I say, what the heck are they doing? But it's all been positive, so maybe I shouldn't phrase it that way. It's just the mystery of, again, like I opened time for two more with last Sunday, after the win, over the Falcons. How in the world did we
2: get here? Hopefully, PA can legitimize it for us. Well, it was fun to listen to the game last week, especially a couple of the comments he made about the defensive plays. I mean, it's like, way to go! And it's just like,
1: oh, okay, way to go, PA. Right. He's getting into it, too. This season's
2: turned around a bit.
1: So, we want to thank the Vikings for giving us a little bit of joy. You thanked me for giving you the opportunity to be here. I want to start the day with a thank you because it is 11 11, which right. means it's Veterans Day. So, I got to thank everybody who's served, who continues to
2: serve. That includes you. Well, thank you very much. It's like I kind of come from a, a family that, that has a military background. My dad was a naval recruiter here in Duluth, and my brother went on to serve during the vietnam war and actually served in vietnam and i was a vietnam era veteran i was lucky enough to serve in naples italy which wow a, which is, wasn't a bad place i was gonna say have you been back with more of a casual theme to naples italy <laughs> no i'm not but uh this later this year we're going back to uh, france and germany so i was gonna say you're about to take a european holiday trip that should be a lot of fun i'm looking forward to it i've never been to either france or germany although the unit i was stationed with in Naples, Italy, we we did a lot of flying up to Germany. I never was lucky enough t- to grab onto one of those flights. Well, there you go. So you talked about Germany. You might have some beer consumed, I would
1: assume. Uh, yeah. And you talked about PA coming up at 11.05. Coming up in about 25 minutes, we've got Dave Hoops. Are you going to ask him a little bit about what German lager should you what, be trying?
2: Yeah, what German beer I should be drinking? I was yeah. going to say,
1: let him be your tour guide, not necessarily geographically speaking, <laughs> but uh, beer, Speaking, he's the best. Ein Bier, Vita. Exactly. I've learned to speak German one way or the other or to learn <laughs> how to have a beer before noon. We're here with you till noon. Yep. But again, thank you to the veterans. You hate to even think, what if those that
2: answered that call of duty hadn't? That's the most important thing anybody can do. Absolutely. We have all of our freedoms because of the veterans that have served before us and they'll continue to serve uh, going forward. And it's just like we have so many great things in this country that based on, on what they did previously and it's just like I can't thank them enough
1: absolutely Thanksgiving may be under two weeks away but thankful for veterans might be at the top of that list
2: right absolutely
1: so I said what if the call of duty hadn't been answered and I'm not saying for veterans that there's even a good segue but I tried yeah because the theme of the last several weeks has been what if with our big four major men's franchises we've done the Vikings we've done the twins we've done the wolves it's time to get a little wild and I told you I said John you're a great hockey mind. I might need your help today because do I follow the wild? Absolutely, yes. Do I follow them
2: as well as the other three I just mentioned? That's kind of a resounding no. No. Okay. And, and I, I like the fact that you're wearing your Minnesota Wild. Uh, I tledger. am. I had to dress the part. Radio is not a visual medium, but I, I tell you. Where away, did you learn that? I learned it from you. Look at there. that guy. You over. are right. I learned it by watching you. John Carlson <laughs> is an avid listener. Go yeah, ahead. We, lear- we learned by doing all the hockey broadcasts that it's not a visual medium. That's
1: right. You either learn that or you get annoyed with, boy, this guy is like a rag doll. You pull the <laughs> string and he only has one phrase. I do say radio is not a visual medium several times in any type of broadcast, but You've paid attention, and yes, I am donning a wild sweatshirt today. So where did you begin? Because we do the top five, and we'll do five, four, three, two, one. What christened
2: your list at number five? Uh, well, I kind of debated over this back and forth, and I said to myself, what if the Wild didn't sign Kaprizov after his first year? Wow. So that's interesting because I do mirror you in a sense,
1: but that was my number three. Okay. And I kind of phrased it differently so we can talk about this a little bit. Because I said, what if Kirill Kaprizov gets here earlier? Not unlike Ricky Rubio, who took a couple years to become a Timberwolf, and it really screwed up their draft process. I'm going to assume it did, because if it didn't, they're just stupid. But Kirill Kaprizov, I believe, was drafted in 2015. We didn't see him for several years later. Now, I know that NHL draft picks, not all of them, are like NBA and NFL draft picks. They don't arrive the next season too often. But what if Kaprizov would have?
2: Well, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, He's such a great talent. I think part of the deal might have been he wa- they wanted him to season himself a little bit more Agreed. before he got to the NHL because even if you look as like the USHL and the, and some of these other leagues there is a big jump still to the get, get to the show.
1: I agree with you. Now here's the question and I never get political or almost never because you and I had many political discussions the eve of election day back on Monday we were together this week. Right. But I hesitate to get political at least publicly. But do we wish in any way, shape or form that he would have seasoned himself somewhere other than Russia? Because the level of play there is incredible.
2: But the ability to get from there to here has caused problems before. Absolutely. I don't know. I think after his first season, it was tough getting him back here. Uh, I like the level of play that they have in Europe. There's a, Absolutely. Lot, of, there's a lot of great uh, skill sets over there. And I like the fact that they kind of led him to season over there. But at the same time, it's just like there was a chance he wasn't going to come back. Well, can you imagine where this team would be, especially with the parisi Suitor
1: contract purgatory? And let's face it, right now, currently, as we speak to you at 10.08 on Saturday, November 11th, I'm not going to pretend that the Wild are any good. But without Kirill Kaprizov, they would markedly be worse, even though he struggled this season. You kind of think that this team would be a shell of itself without him. So that's very interesting because that checked in as my number three. My number five, since Kaprizov was your number five, I'm interested to see how you'll feel about this. Uh Because I went with... What if Jacques Lemaire never coached here? Because we talked about this a little bit with the Timberwolves as well. Dave Cook said Bill Musselman made the mistake of making the Timberwolves too good too early, and they didn't get to you know build their franchise by drafting in the top two. They were stuck at 8, 9, 10. I kind of look at it the other way. I don't blame Jacques Lemaire for this team being too good too soon. I kind of think the Minnesota Wild may have been an afterthought for a long time, in their early years, if not for having one of the
2: legends of the game behind the bench right away. Yeah, and I thought he was such a great coach. And I did too. It's unfortunate that sometimes the things just don't click into place, even though the coach designs them on on paper. And uh, getting them on the ice is a little bit different story. But I thought he was a really, really great coach, and he had some good talent that just didn't quite mesh together. No doubt.
1: And you think about how expansion rules have changed for the likes of Seattle, Las Vegas, or Vegas, whatever you want to technically call them. Let's face it, the Golden Knights are really, really good, and Seattle was really good really soon. It wasn't like that when the likes of Minnesota and Columbus came into the league. You look at that roster that Jacques Lemaire had, were there some fun players on it? Was there some veteran character on it? Yes. Was there a ton of talent on it? No. But he got the
2: most out of a little to me. Well, when you take a look at what happened in that season, too, that I think... uh, there was two series back to back where they came back from three to one deficits yeah. and they won game seven, the avalanche like, and the Canucks. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like, that's how a coach can get the most out of his players. And I agree with you. They had some talent. Gabrick was one of them, but at the same time, it's just like, you got to be able to have, it's, it's not an eye game in hockey. It's right. A, it's a team game. But we'll go back, you know, go to that a little bit later about talking about Gabrick. Yeah, there was no eye in team,
1: but there was an eye in wind, and Jacques Lemaire had several of them, both with the Wild and obviously much before. So he was my number five. We've already talked about my number three because that was your number five. So let's meet in the middle with number four. Where did you go for that?
2: What if the Wild make it past the first round?
1: Right. We talked about the years <laughs> that they routinely did with the uh, Vancouver comeback, the Colorado comeback, and then. Anaheim obviously beating them at that point. There have been a couple seasons where the second round has, has been a thing. The Chicago Blackhawks, whether it was first or second round, found a way to get in their way. But you're right. What's the narrative with the
2: Minnesota Wild? We will get to the postseason. Please don't ask us to do anything after that. <laughs> well, the last time the Wild won a first-round series was back in 2015. That's like eight years ago. And it's like you take a look, and it's just like lost first round, lost first round, lost first round, missed the playoffs, lost first round, lost first. It's like, okay. Is this the season they're going to turn it around at their current place right now? I, I don't think so. I was going to say, the
1: only thing that some people would say, and this is very much tongue-in-cheek, you can't lose in the first round if you don't make the first round. That appears to be where <laughs> the wild are headed right yeah. now.
2: And I think out of the first 23 seasons, I think they've only made the playoffs 13 of those seasons. So they've got a ways to go. And and, and how do you build on that? You could build it with, like, Kaprizov and Eriksenak. And and Eriksenak, yeah. And Rossi, I like the fact that he's kind of turning around a little bit, using some of the young talent that the they have on their roster, being able to just kind of like blossom.
1: Well, and the way they paid him, they seem to believe that Matt Boldy can be part of it. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully he rises to the occasion as well. The interesting way to word that, and I didn't put this on there, but I thought about it. That didn't make my list. It's a great call. You know, what if the Wild were known for something other than, hey, we appeared in the playoffs. Hey, don't blink because we're gone. Yeah. Because if you look at it, I think the Wild have one of the longest active streaks in sports in qualifying consecutive seasons for the playoffs. Right. Again, that's at risk this year. We'll see if they can turn it around. But I think the way that I might have worded that, John, is what if the Chicago Blackhawks didn't exist? Now, I know the Blues got them a couple times. The Jets got them, what have you. I think Vegas got them during the COVID bubble. Yeah. But for a while, it was
2: the Wild to be fine as long as they don't face Chicago. And then when they did, we know what happens. Well, you started looking at, too, when the NHL realigned the divisions. And all of a sudden, the Wild are stuck in the same division. Of course, they're trying to get it with Central Time Zone type of thing. Right. You know, but you're looking at who, who they have in their division. They're looking at Chicago. They're looking at Dallas. They're looking at uh, Winnipeg and Well, and can St. we Lewis. talk about
1: that for just one second? NHL divisions. First of all, divisions are starting to get overrated in all of sports. The one Minnesota franchise that should be very thankful for divisions should be the Minnesota Twins. Because if not for the American League Central, right. they don't make it this year. Seattle does instead. But... When you look at the NHL division specifically, and we got two great hockey minds coming up after this segment with Dave Hoops and Topher Davis, but the NHL divisions to me have too many teams in them. Oh, I agree. What are you in seventh, eighth? I mean, this is like old school baseball when you were first division, second division team. And you talked about central time zone and I get the point, but then wake me up when you have a good explanation for why Arizona's in the same division as the Wild. Well,
2: absolutely. And you take a look, I think back way back when, it was like the Northwest Division. And uh, I think the the Wild at that time, or the Stars at that time, were the only team in the Central Division. I mean, they were the only team in the Central Time Zone that were in the Northwest Division. It didn't make right. a lot of sense. So they, I think the, the Stars were advocating to get into the, a Central Division. Well, the crazy part to me is I'm 44, and depending upon the company I keep, I don't consider that
1: old, but in division sense, I maybe am the oldest of old school because I still miss the old Norris. I miss Toronto, Detroit, Chicago, and Minnesota being in there as well.
2: And I, I keep on going back. And St. Louis, the, of course. The old six. I mean, I, the, the original, original six? S- the original six. I just love watching some of those. And I like the Blackhawks. I really have been a big fan of the Blackhawks uh, from way back when. I think my son has a Jonathan Taves autographed jersey. And, nice. And I've been a big, huge fan of the, of the Chicago Blackhawks. And they're not doing very well this season. I'm sure Norman Kiver is going to... Turning that, uh, but they've got it,
1: that Bedard kid, you know that, and that is a is, little bit worth watching.
2: Is he any good? Yeah, he seems to be okay. Oh, this he, hockey thing might work out for him. <laughs> didn't he have like a four point night or something like that? Uh, is he's been eye opening to say
1: the least. So you know, that's a bad team that you think is going to get good eventually. Right. How long will it take? We'll see. My number four, you know, Dave Cook's not here today. This again was a planned absence for him, and I try to know my audience, and I've worked with you on a number of things, hockey, football the Northland sports page. And I thought, what can I bring up that is beyond pertinent to me, but I think that the member of my audience in studio would enjoy it. Your favorite topic in sports Uh-oh. is goaltending. Bingo. My number four was what if Josh Harding never gets hurt? Or if you want to call it sick, Yeah. you know, what happens to his career? What happens to that position for Minnesota?
2: Yeah, and he was such, it was such a great loss when he uh, came down with MSN. And, and, right. And he still is a great, great part of the, the Twin Cities community. and He's always active and doing different things. So he was a big loss as far as I was concerned. Because I, I, you and I have talked many times on hockey broadcasts that I look at goaltending is where the whole – things starts right and there's a reason work. they call it building it from the back end out yeah you can't absolutely. get much further back than the goalie yep and and you rely on the goaltender the goaltender should make the first save and I think a lot of times I was watching the wild the other night and I watched the flower make the first save and then he made the second save and there was the defense after that so I I think the loss of Harding was a what if like they would the North Stars would have, I keep calling them the North Stars well that will come up later spoiler yeah, alert right, but yes. go spoiler ahead. Alert! But uh, the while when they lost him you, you had to all of a sudden try to build from the back end without him. And it was hard to do. Absolutely. Now the other side
1: of that coin is this because Josh Harding getting, you know, afflicted with MS, if you will, there's nothing good about it. And we talk about what could have been for him, but I talked about what became of this position. If Harding never goes down, does the Devin Dubnik transaction ever happen? Right. And he was quite good. Does the Marc-Andre Fleury, I know there's Cam Talbot in there. I know there's a big bridge in there, but are we banking on kind of like we did with Teddy Bridgewater to be the face of the franchise at a certain position for a while. And then when he got hurt and wasn't, we plugged it in with a lot of different people, some good, some bad
2: or well, something, you know, but at the same time, we, the thing I mentioned earlier is like, it's not just the goaltender. You got to have, right. you know, you start talking about Dean, Dean Evanson was talking about the other day about it's the whole team. We got to build that. It's not just one player. It's not just the goaltender. It's not just the forwards. It's the whole team that has to work together. Well, and unfortunately, when you look at what's the problem with the Wild currently, there's your answer it's the whole
1: team because you look at and I know they got beat last night by Buffalo, and Buffalo's an up and down squad. And I feel like we've been playing the Eastern Conference every other night here. But you look at the Rangers game the other night, the Rangers were without a couple of their better players. They also had Marc-Andre Fleury give the Wild a heck of an effort, and they still got beat rather handily. So this team as a whole has a lot of work to do. So what if they can turn it around is maybe the big what if for this season. But So Josh Harding was my number four. I believe we already tackled your five and four.
2: Inadvertently, we tackled my three because it was your five. So we'll go to your number three, I believe. My number three is what if Gabryk, and I'm going to say this wrong, Dupuis. Pascal Dupuis. Pascal Dupuy if they don't hold out at the beginning of the season after twenty twenty three 2022-23. That's an interesting point because they were going to be the next
1: best thing in dynamic duos for Minnesota sports. I mean, you look at KG and Marbury, only got a bit of a blink for the Wolves. People forget about Pascal Dupuis. I don't think Marion Gabrick will ever be forgotten because he was the first legitimate star right. that the Wild have. And really, if you go back and look at Marion Gabrick's career, to me it feels like he played longer for Minnesota than it felt like. Because when he was traveling back and forth and injury problems and what have you, now we know he was technically under an NHL contract forever. You know, Yarmir Yager type style in the league.
2: Right. But his Minnesota career felt longer when you read about it than it appeared on the ice. Well, and and the holdout to me is like coming off the 2002-2003 season and going into that next season, you know, the, the Wild were coming off where they had done a really good job of going – Uh, they won back-to-back series, and all of a sudden they're playing in the conference finals, and so they got a lot of momentum going into that. But when they have the holdout between those two guys, and all of a sudden the Wild didn't play very well the first month of the season, and by the time they got back into the roster after they signed their contracts, all of a sudden they're not in game shape, and the Wild kind of floundered at the beginning, but toward the end of the season, I think they ended up with like a 30-29 and record or something like that. So if they would have had them from the beginning who knows what would have happened that season? Well, and the other thing, too,
1: because this is a reach of a segue, but you know I like to do that, is did it change the way that contracts are presented to players because it moves into my number two. And as I tell you my number two, I want to foreshadow it by saying I didn't necessarily mean this positively or negatively. I think it's just a great talker because we're kind of in the purgatory that is the result of it now. Yep. Number two for me is what if Parisi and Suter never come here?
2: Well, and that's my number two as well, if they didn't sign to those long extended contracts. Well,
1: and we can talk about there's negatives to it now, and they never did quite elevate us to the winning level we thought they would. But there was certainly some enjoyment of having them both available. This team, we talked about they make the playoffs annually. They don't do anything when they get there, but they make the playoffs annually. Without those two, are we sure that those teams do? So it's not all bad, but it certainly wasn't as good as, as we were giving into the advertising
2: come that infamous July 4th. Well, and, and they're just kind of like stuck under that salary cap all the time. And it's kind of hard to build your team when you, you're you always faced with that dead space there. Well, and who ran the show? Because Zach Parisi, still kind of beloved to me between
1: JP being technically one of us. Ryan Souter, I'll, I'll admit, I enjoyed. A lot of people didn't. And it sounds like personality wise, he wasn't a real treat either. And how many coaches, although they all had basically winning records, how many coaches did the Wild go through that
2: it seemed like Suter and Parisi
1: called the shots of who they wanted in or out?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I was when I was doing some research on the Wild, it's just like how many different. It's like Eo was there for a while and uh, Turcott was there Torchetti, Torchetti, John Torchetti. Don't blink. He was gone. Bruce well, Boudreau. Yeah. It's just like all of a sudden it's like a revolving door for the coaches. And then the one I
1: should have put on that I never did is what if Todd Richards never had the job with Minnesota. He's, <laughs> he's the only coach in the group I
2: didn't like at all, but go ahead. Yeah, man, I agree. And it's just like, it's kind of hard to build consi- consistency with a team when you're always looking at, all right, I got a new coach and we have got a new system. What's going to happen. You can't get any continuity with the team to be able to constantly be redoing it every season. I agree, but on the positive side, I think Parisian
1: Souter, to some extent, prevented Minnesota from being an afterthought. Now, in hockey, that seems like blasphemy. But in pro hockey, it doesn't. Because, newsflash, my number one is coming, and we've gone without a pro team before. In the state of hockey, that applies to all levels. There's no question that the high school programs, the college programs, the youth programs are talked about constantly in the state of Minnesota. Professionally, we're not. I think with Parisian and Suter being here, we were. Now, did they underachieve? I'll 100% agree with that. But I think it kept this team in a spotlight, even at times that it didn't deserve to be.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I agree with you. You know, high school hockey is probably the number one. I remember uh, uh, when ABC broadcasted Howard Howard Cosell broadcasting the state hockey. A high school tournament, and it's just like you know, it was kind of an afterthought with a lot of the NHL teams. Cause well, and how long ago did we have Gary Thorne doing it too? Yeah, There you go. And you start thinking about you know Minnesota teams, and you think about okay, the Vikings are probably number one in in the area, and then the yeah. Twins, and then the Timberwolves are probably uh, even though they're playing better now, they're still number four, maybe even below right below that. Maybe there's a rugby. To so say the,
1: the Lynx or the loons might get ahead of yeah, them,
2: and then so the Wild was you know they're they're facing an uphill battle all the time. But, you know, I think there's still promise, and I, I think Minnesota fans, I think that's one of the reasons why both of us have number one coming up here uh, was because there was a lot of, not a lot of fans that were constantly going to the games. Absolutely, because that is number one. What if, and you can phrase it
1: however you'd like, I think there's three different ways. You can say, number one, what if the North Stars never moved? That's how I worded it. It's about the wild today, so you can say number two is, what if the wild never existed? Because that's two ways in itself to look at it. You can say, what if the North Stars moved and they never got a team back? But if the North Stars don't move, the North Stars are obviously here. Or Tilford Davis is going to join us at quarter two. He would say, what if Norm Green didn't suck? Because that's <laughs> the reason the North Stars moved.
2: Yep, absolutely. And and I take a look at the North Stars. When they, when they finally moved, they had a lot of great talent. Right. I mean, you take a look at Mike Modano. He's on there. And I, I was just at, scrolling through at the 94 roster and I was going, oh, the North Dakota coach, Brad Berry, played on on the Stars team. And they had a lot of great talent. And it was so sad to see them leave, but I understand why they left. Uh, it was financial reasons and they weren't drawing a lot of fans. And I was going, well, maybe it was because Met Sports Center, right. the complex was Down the Mall of America. It, it's down by the, it's of the Mall of America, but maybe it was hard for the fans to okay, I don't want to drive that far. How many
1: games did you go to at the Met? When I say the Met, I mean Met Center, not Met Stadium.
2: Well, I went to, and it was kind of interesting, a bunch of us from Ridgeview Country Club went down to see the Blues play when Brett invited us to come down there and sure. go, down, go down below after the game and all that kind of stuff. And I remember the game because I don't remember if they won or not, but Mike Leut was, yeah. in, was in goal for St. Louis and it's just like, ah, oh, Leut's not that good. See, I went to one, and that's part of the
1: problem. Maybe with my age, I think I was 11 or 12 and they were gone by the time I was you know, in high school and I saw them play Detroit, and I think going in, we might have been more excited to see Detroit because this was Iserman, Federov, and I think Bob Probert yeah. was on the Red Wings back then. So it was as much going to see Detroit as it was to see the North Stars. The North Stars won, and if you remember the way the Met Center was set up is you are right on top of the play. Yeah. I mean, you, you feel like you're borderline on the boards. Yep. And that, to me, was really neat. You know, as a wide-eyed,
2: middle-school-age kid and the North Stars dominating – I thought it was neat. Well, don't blink and they were gone. Yep, absolutely. And, and uh, we enjoyed it uh, going down there because it was fun. It's like you seeing one of the guys you play golf with all season. It's just like, oh, he's out in the ice. Oh, okay. He's not, yeah, he's, that not is, a, he's not a bad player. That is a different perspective. He's more than just a scratch golfer. <laughs> the other part, too,
1: because Minnesota sports fans, I feel like in general, love to think that automatically if somebody leaves, that could have, should have, or would have been us. We do it with David Ortiz all the time. You know, he left Minnesota, he goes to the Red Sox, he becomes all world. Everybody says, well, he would have done that here. Now, if you're a seasoned Minnesota fan, you probably would have thought he would have got hurt again and his career would have ended (laughs) immediately. But where I'm going with this is, look at what the Dallas Stars have been. I mean, within the blink of an eye, they were Stanley Cup champions after leaving here. So who's to say that that couldn't happen to Minnesota immediately after? In fact, that Stanley Cup team that Dallas had right away had the likes of Brett Hull, Derek Plant, and Jamie Langenbrenner on it. How meaningful would that have been to have them all playing as Minnesota North Stars and winning it?
2: Oh, absolutely. It would have run, you know, all of a sudden the ticket sales would have gone through the roof for the next next year. And it's just like, it's unfortunate that they left, but I understand the reasons why they did leave. And uh, maybe it's a blessing going forward. I know there were some negotiations where, uh, with the Target Center that fell through because the Winnipeg Jets were going to come. After, right. after the Stars left. I remember in. that. And the Winnipeg Jets were like a combination. Of, I forget how many different teams. And uh, just like, I went back and did some research. You're talking about the Atlanta Flames, the Atlanta Thrashers. Right. And the, and the Cleveland Barons. I was going God, to say we could make a long list of uh, defunct NHL franchises. I remember all those teams kind of got merged together and it's just like, okay, but the Stars, they were just fun to watch. It was a fun team. Uh, I I'm not a big fan of the wild logo that goes back to what the old North stars were. Right. But that's just my opinion. Well, and
1: I feel like they're trying to embrace it now because you look at the retro or the 77s or whatever they're calling the jerseys. Now it's the wild logo with everything North stars colored about
2: it. Yep. Absolutely. And so hopefully they may, maybe they can play like them if they dress like them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So here are the five that didn't make the list for me again, to recap my top five and John, you can do yours. Number one, North stars never Move. Two, Parisian Suter. Three, Kaprizov gets here earlier. Four, the affliction that unfortunately ended Josh Harding's career early. And number five, what if we never had Jacques Lemaire?
2: Go ahead. And my five were like Kaprizov and then making it past the first round, Gabriel and Pascal. Uh, Parisi and Suter, the salary cap, the issues, and the stars never leaving. It was my top five. All right. So my next five,
1: if you will, the honorable mentions. Tofer Davis, I have to imagine when he joins us at 1045, we'll be all over this because he's, <laughs> he's usually all over me about this. But I simply didn't want to talk about it because it's overkill to me. But I brought up David Ortiz a moment ago. The Wilds' version of David Ortiz is Brent Burns. So I went, what if the Brent Burns trade doesn't happen? Now, Brent Burns made an all-star team here, couldn't seem to find a position here, didn't put up points at nearly the level he did seemingly everywhere else. So I understand the reasoning, as you said, for the move, for that move transactionally, but it sure bit the North Stars. That was my number six. Number seven, what if Pierre-Marc Bouchard doesn't have concussion issues? Every Batman needs a Robin. You mentioned Gabrick and Dupuis. My Robin for Gabrick was supposed to be Pierre-Marc Bouchard.
2: Okay, and I think I have just one other one. What happens if the Wild weren't named the Wild? There you was, have the finalists. I what, have,
1: what could have been? It could People have been, probably
2: don't remember this. Go ahead. Yeah, well, the the, the six finalists for the uh, NHL franchise were the Blue Ox. I think, I think of Bemidji then. They could have called this Babe, <laughs> the Freeze, the Northern Lights, one that's going to be the new football team, the Voyagers, Okay, the White Bears, and of course, the Wild. That would have been interesting because I believe there was a junior hockey team back when I was growing up
1: known as the Northland Voyagers. Yeah. And we've got the Harbor Monsters coming in. How come that didn't get consideration? Well,
2: I don't know. I, I think part of the reason why they, even the logo is, is kind of like a, a double logo, one of those deals. Right. Where it, it depicts. It looks the, like
1: the wilderness or it looks like a wild animal.
2: There you go. Bingo. Yeah. You, you, you know this stuff. Every once in a while I pay attention. <laughs> Not very often, but every once in a while.
1: My number eight was what if Paul Fenton never gets hired? Because word is that he was a nightmare of a personality as a general manager and just ruined the culture. Culture is a big buzzword these days. Ruined everything about the Minnesota wild yet after he left the wild were succeeding based off some of the transactions he made. So horrible character, maybe not a horrible mind as weird as it sounds number nine, again, catering to my audience of John Carlson. We talked about that year that they came back from three, one twice, right? Then they got beat by JS Jaguar. I know they got beat by Anaheim, but let's face it. They got beat by JS Jaguar. He shut them down. I believe it was the following year that all the goaltender equipment rules changed. So I had number nine. What if they changed earlier? What if this team makes a finals, wins a finals? In Minnesota sports, you're
2: viewed tremendously different. Yep, and, and when you take a look at the history of some of the uh, pro teams that we have, you know, who's going to be the first team to actually make it past? You know, right now, the Twins are the only ones that has gone to the big show and, and, won, the, and won, it. Won, won the whole thing. Right. So it's just like you know, we keep on hoping that the Wild will kind of be that team that kind of makes the cup and brings the cup home. But it's like they, they got a long way to go this year. Well, and absolutely,
1: because I think the narrative of what you're saying there is, you know, make the jump, get to that next level. That was my number 10. What if all the kids that the Wild put so much stock in eventually made the jump? How long were we waiting for the coils and needle writers to make that next step grandland and, and be good and carry this team? You mentioned Dupuis. I mentioned Pierre-Marc Bouchard. I feel like they were kind of doing it with Kevin Fiala, and they couldn't get there, so they dealt him. Well, now we're up with that again. Is Boldy going to do it? Is Rossi going to do it? We seem to always have
2: one guy that we view as a linchpin. We need 2, 3 and 4. And are they ever going to get there? Well, and then also on the other side of the coin here, you take a look at Mark Andre Fleury is 38 years old. And the way he moves at 38 is like, I wish I could do that now. But, you know, they got to start from the back end and who's going to be coming up? Do they have somebody in the Iowa Stars that's going to make it up or the Houston Aeros? You got to you got to look from the back end and it's like that's how they're going to have to make the jump.
1: We'll find out. Marc-Andre Fleury is moving well at 38. Problem is, I moved like I was 38 when I was 6. Brian uh-huh. Prudhomme, John Carlson. John Carlson is a Navy man. Happy Veterans Day to everybody. Bumping out within the Navy. Stick around. Dave Hoops joins us next. Northland Sports
0: page. Brian Prudhomme, John Carlson filling in for Dave Cook. Stick around. We'll be right back. And- for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
1: Heaven, there is no beer, but in my life, there's plenty. Thanks to Hoops Brewing. That's one of our illustrious sponsors here on the Northland Sports page. Also, Arola Architecture Studio, OAR Holdings of Duluth, Krause Heating and Cooling, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, the Blackwoods Group and their plethora of locations around the Northland, Avenue 45, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stuart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Pier B Resorts, Kohler Toyota and Kohler Hyundai, and our friends at Comfort Systems. Speaking of our friends, John Carlson, we've got a good friend of ours on the phone ready to join us.
2: Absolutely. I've known Dave for many, many years back when my son uh, Connor played with Finn uh, hockey. And then when my daughter Elise played with uh, Daisy and soccer.
1: Getting to know both of those kids have been a pride for me as well. Daisy, I was her volleyball announcer. And Finn, little did I know I would get to do some of the play-by-play of his hockey career. Two great ones. And again, speaking of a great one, the patriarch of that family might be the greatest. Dave Hoops is with us. He's in Madison today. The well-traveled Dave Hoops. Good morning, sir.
3: Uh, Good morning. Thanks, guys, for that very kind beginning. Um, Uh Yep. Finn and I are going to a game today, uh, Northwestern, uh, Wisconsin trying to play their way into some, you know, unnamed bowl with another sixth win here today. We'll see what happens.
1: Now, I rarely cheer for the Badgers, but if they're going to get it, they might as well get it now because Gopher Badgers is looming on the football schedule. So if the Gophers need to get bowl eligible and need to beat Wisconsin, I'm just assuming that they do that. So if the Badgers need to get bowl eligible by winning today, I guess I'm okay with it. Yep.
3: Well, Purdue, the Gophers can win today and do the same thing. And then actually we're going to that Thanksgiving game in the city, said at TCF of uh, Badgers, Minnesota. So they'll both be probably eligible at that point. Now they're just playing for what? Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, maybe even before that, because this has been underachieving seasons for both of those programs. Speaking of the Gophers, Minnesota sports is used to collapses. The game against Illinois last Saturday, that was one for the ages, unfortunately.
3: Yeah, there's been a few of those this year. Um, The Northwestern game comes to mind as well. Right. Um, We'll see. You know, I root for them. I root for their basketball team, Harder but it's probably not going to be good either. We'll see what happens.
1: No, that basketball team looked good last night. I'll tell you what, it was a strange night for Minnesota sports, particularly in basketball because they got wins over San Antonio and usually you go, wait, what, wins? But the Wolves beat the Spurs and then the Gophers beat University of Texas San Antonio. So put that in your marquee victory column and I mean that with heavy laden sarcasm for sure, but wins are wins and we'll take them. But back to that Gopher-Illinois game, Dave, because it segues nicely for me. The Gophers ended up collapsing against a backup quarterback who didn't expect to play. You know where I'm going with this, because last Sunday in Atlanta, the Vikings knew they had acquired a veteran quarterback who had done some starting, who maybe would see the field, but talk about pressed into emergency action and responding. Holy cow, Josh Dobbs. That might be how I start the conversation with PA in about a half an hour, simply by saying, holy cow, Josh Dobbs. How much fun was that?
3: Well, P.A. is obviously going to be a lot more eloquent than I am, but I cannot even tell you just a couple highlights, two fourth downs with his legs, you know, the not knowing even the names. It was like playground ball. The guy's like, I'm going here, I'm going here. It was incredible. And the guy is obviously smart as a whip. I, I imagine I, I'm going to predict maybe 75 yards on the ground tomorrow for him. Let's hope.
1: That would be interesting. My new favorite catchphrase besides radio is not a visual medium has become, this isn't rocket science, it's football. I'll tell you what, for the Vikings, it's combo platter because you literally have a rocket scientist at the quarterback position. But, But yes, if you would have told me that this team, first of all, would start one and four in the unthinkable way that they did and then lose Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson both and go undefeated in games where they have not played, this is insane.
3: Well, you know, I've been telling you this, you know, we talk (laughs) and um, I don't, I imagine we're going to probably pick up another two or three wins in this stretch and then there'll be playoff talk and then Dobbs is going to win a playoff game and all of a sudden he'll be the Messiah in this, this state, you know how it is. And then Kirk comes back and everything will be just fine. And at least that's how I see it. Maybe even two wins.
1: We'll see. It is going to be interesting. I'll kind of say what I said last week because I think the same theory applies to Josh Dobbs as it did with Jaron Hall. Nobody's excited about the fact that Kirk Cousins is done for the season because Kirk was playing really well. There is obviously some excitement that Justin Jefferson is either at or nearing a return. But it just feels like a different vibe watching the unknown piece at quarterback. You mentioned the mobility. We're not used to that. In no way, shape, or form will I say that either Jaron Hall or Josh Dobbs was going to or is better than Kirk Cousins. I think that's blasphemy. But the intrigue of the unexpected, I think, is huge, don't you?
3: I I really do. And I I also just want to mention, I just don't want to see history repeat. I don't want Mr. AR coming here. And both these young guys have shown that they have different skills. Obviously, uh, we can wait on, on the youngster and he can continue to develop if Dobbs can play the game. And maybe Kurt comes back easier. Um, after his injury after this point. Um, But, yeah, it's really fun to watch, and these are winnable games. Although New Orleans is going to be a handful. Carr's been really good lately, I think, and their D-backs are good. We'll see.
1: Yeah, I am a Derek Carr fan. People who know me probably aren't surprised by that because a lot of people have said Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins are kind of the same guy, but that will be a challenge. And for those of you that can't translate what Dave Hoops was saying, Mr. AR that he doesn't want is Aaron Rodgers, of course, doing the Brett Favre trick of Green Bay to the Jets to Minnesota. I hope nobody wants that, but time will tell on that, too. Who knows if he's going to come back this season and play for the Jets. His recovery appears to be ahead of the game. Speaking of being ahead of the game, Dave Hoops, the holiday season is here. You've got all kinds of holiday beers. You've got Cranfest for Thanksgiving. You've got the beloved, and I can't even say that enough times, how much I like cherry ale for Christmas. How are we doing with the holiday beer countdown?
3: We're doing great, and thanks for mentioning that because it is, you know, it's Cranfest right now. We just finished apple, which was like the harvest beer. Cherry is made, and the fruit is being shipped next week. Um, And the blueberry pale, another harvest beer, is in the tanks, and everybody's been waiting for that. So everything's going really well. And then, of course, um, we're having a lot of fun because Rink Rad is back on on tap, and it's a really popular beer because... Well, it's name probably mostly, but it's a light beer, easy to drink. And it's just, it kind of segues into what this time of the year is about. So it's good stuff.
1: Absolutely. It does. Speaking of ring grad, John Carlson, two weeks from today, you and I become ring grads, our first high school hockey broadcast two weeks from today. And Proctor, go ahead.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Dave, I got a personal question for you. I got to do a little training before I go to Germany. So what kind of beer should I be coming down to hoops for to get a little uh, training before I go to Frankfurt and then Munich?
3: Well, thanks, John, and um, I will mention Munich is pretty, pretty much the best beer on earth. Um, make sure you go to Augustiner when okay. you're there; easy to find. You can't forget that. You really should be writing things down like Dave should be right
1: now. Go ahead. Um,
3: but yeah, you wanna any? We always have three or four German lagers on tap, so I would highly recommend our Munich Lager, which is the name is easy to remember. Okay. Um, our Keller Weiss. And our Pilsner, both just, um, you know, we always make German lager beers because my entire career will be uh, striving to make an amazing one, which I have failed at this point. But they're pretty good and uh, they're authentic. So I would definitely just come in and pick one of the three I just mentioned or two. Go for it.
1: And for what people are wanting to consume, you've got cans and crowlers available to take out, correct?
3: Of course. Yep, cans and crawlers, and we're actually going to start selling little tiny mini cans of uh, our, our our chili pepper beer um, to go, and also at some of our beloved local eateries that have uh, the best Bloody Mary in town, according to them all. And so we'll just pair that up, and it's a perfect, you know, it's a match. It's perfect.
1: Outstanding. So we're chatting with Dave Hoops here on the Northland Sports Page. John Carlson is in for Dave Cook. I'm Brian Prudholm now. Dave, I warned you that I was going to try to be Dave Cook and come up with his life-altering questions today. I know already that I won't do as well, but I've got four, and I hope you're prepared for these, and and you can grade me when we're done. Sound okay? I can't wait. All right. So we're going to start with this one because we were just talking about the holiday season and the holiday beers that Hoops Brewing does so well. Now, when most people, and I just did it, I'm 100% guilty as charged, when most people talk about the holiday season – to me, they're absolutely talking about the holidays in November, December. We can name them all. We all know about them. And then, of course, kind of New Year's Day is the end of the holiday season. So, guys, what's your favorite holiday taking the holiday season off the table?
2: Hmm. Oh,
3: well, it's it's still Christmas. It will always be Christmas. It's, all right, but let's pretend the holiday season
1: is not available. So I can't give you Thanksgiving, oh. Christmas, Hanukkah, Yom Kippur, New Year's Day. So basically... Any part of the calendar that's not November, December, and January 1?
3: Okay, I'm sorry that I fudged that. That's um, okay. Well, clearly my <laughs> We birthday, know you love Christmas, but go birthday. ahead. Yeah, it's, my birthday is my favorite holiday, and uh, most of America agrees, so I'm just going to go with the fourth. All right, I'm going
1: to go next because I do agree. You said most of America agrees, and for those of you that don't know, Dave Hoop's birthday happens to be the 4th of July, and that is 100% my favorite non-holiday season holiday. I love summer weather. I love baseball. I love food off a grill. July 4th, you routinely get all three of those. Sign me up anytime.
2: Well, and I, you took you took the words right out of my mouth. July 4th is one of my favorites. To add to, the, add to that, all the fireworks. I love watching all the fireworks. Duluth does a nice job of it. And even some small towns, I've gone to some uh, fireworks displays in Spooner, Wisconsin, and it's just like, wow, where'd they get all the money for these fireworks? Right.
1: <laughs> it is interesting. All right, my second one, Dave Hoops. We just had an election day back on Tuesday. Obviously, very emotional one for a lot of people. Those who were supporting the winners, very overjoyed. Those who may have been supporting those that fell short, pretty upset. But let's say that sports was a bit of an election, specifically here in Minnesota. Now, the good news with city councilor and school board, there were some options where you could vote for more than one. But the races where you could only vote for one were the toughest. So I'm going to give you a tough sports question. Minnesota sports pro franchises are up for election. This state could only keep one. Which one are you keeping?
3: Oh man. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. You're, you're, Dave's going to yeah, he's going to lose his spot here. Oh boy, oh boy. That is rough. Um uh it's between two teams I can't believe I I'm going to say the twins. I, I, that's really hard, Brian. It's unfair question, but that's my answer.
1: It is. It's a challenging one. And I'll tell you what Dave hoops, you and I are making for bad radio because (laughs) you're giving your answers and I'm going, yep, because I'm voting for the twins as well. Now they might be on a higher pedestal because John Carlson said it, they've gotten to the top of the show and won it twice. But for me, it's actually about the other levels that are available to the sport. We're talking pro here, not high school, not college. Those still exist. I love college basketball, high school basketball. I love college hockey, high school hockey. I love high school football, college football. All of those could still exist for me. Therefore, I can do without those pro franchises. I don't get a chance to get into it. Maybe it's because Duluth has no springtime. I don't get a chance to get into prep baseball. We have great teams, but I don't get a chance to be a big part of it. Same with college. I need my pro baseball. I need that going on in the summers. So
2: that's why that gets my vote. Well, and mine are between the two, uh, the Wild and the Twins. And, you know, before we got married, I made my wife learn the Minnesota Twins song. There you go. So I'm going to go with the Twins.
1: (laughs) All right. So two down, two to go. So we're back to Josh Dobbs as a topic. I was laughing on, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday this week because I get regular emails from the Vikings merchandise shop of new arrivals, shop for this, shop for this, shop for this. And you especially get them after they win. I was laughing on Wednesday because you could already get a Josh Dobbs jersey. Let's face it, a lot of Vikings fans didn't know who this guy was two weeks ago. So I thought about, you know, somebody out there is going to take the plunge for the first time and buy a jersey and get Josh Dobbs because of what happened last week. So my question to you guys is, any sport, and Dave Hoops, I know you have plenty up in the brewery. What's the first jersey you remember owning?
3: Huh. Uh, that's easy. Uh, this is Rod Career, Carew. Um, yeah, I always tell you how I idolized him growing up. And one of my birthdays, uh, an uncle gave me one of those really old, you know, it was a button up, you know, and it was, I can't remember what the, their design was back then. It seems like it might have been baby bluish. Yeah. But I wore that every single, single day. And it was, I wore it out. That, I was I love that thing. I was very proud of it.
2: John Carlson, what about you? What's the first jersey you remember owning? I remember, I, I mentioned it earlier, the Jonathan Taves jersey. I ended up giving it to my son, uh, an autographed one from Chicago. Wow. So you waited late in life
1: because Jonathan Taves Blackhawks jerseys weren't around I, back in the day. Well, I never had a lot of money, you know. Fair enough. And jerseys are not priced uh, conveniently for a lot That's of us. Right. The way that I can remember mine, and this is a little embarrassing, so judge me accordingly is my mom, I believe, has a display, or at least she used to in our old house, where it showed all of our Christmas card photos that we mailed for each year. Well, there's one where I think you can find me in a Tommy Kramer jersey. Oh, wow. So I, I'm going to go with that one as the first one I remember having because I think I wore it every Sunday I possibly could. I know I posed for another Christmas card in an Anthony Carter jersey too. It's fun for me, Dave Hoops, because two of the jerseys that I've owned in life as a kid, guests on the show, Tommy Kramer and Kent Herbeck both qualify in that category.
3: Uh, That that is so awesome, and I have a brand-new Tommy Kramer signed jersey just went up in the brewery a couple weeks ago, and I also grew up enjoying him very much, so good calls. Very
1: very nice. So last question is this, and this one might be the toughest, so if you don't have one, you can say pass because it's tough to kind of rack your brain on this one. So, Dave, oops, you mentioned last week that NCAA basketball was coming, and it's here, and it's been exciting already. And I happened to watch at the end of the day earlier this week – The Michigan State upset at East Lansing when James Madison went in there and won. If anybody wonders who Tom Izzo's least favorite president is, now we know, because James Madison somehow went in and got a victory. My question is this. We all know the biggest upsets in sports, you know, Miracle on Ice, et cetera. We all all know who they are because they stand out in lore, if you will. But do you remember which ones you witnessed, either by watching or by attending in person? What's the greatest upset that you remember seeing?
3: Well, of course, I saw Miracle on Ice. They put it on TV in our classroom. Okay, believe it or not, although it was taped, you got you might not be. I can't. I'm a little older than you. As to say, but I was 11 I months guess,
1: old when the Miracle that's on that's Ice it. happened. But yeah, go ahead.
3: Well, you know, I remember watching that um, Niners win over Dallas, and I just hated Dallas so much because of what they did to us with Pearson and all that stuff, and um, the, the the catch that Clark made in my head even though it's not a local sports and i'm not a big niners fan that was the comeback for the ages and that's the first one that came to mind for me
2: well i think uh, i the miracle on ice i remember i was out running that day and okay. i was listening to the game on the radio while i was out running and i remember it's just like oh god this is just unbelievable we just we just beat the russians it's like wow and the second one that comes to mind is when i was uh, Why I was in the grocery store, and by the way, it was nice to see you the other day, Dave, in the grocery store. But I remember listening to the oh, twins. Yeah. I remember listening to the twins game on the radio in the supermarket, and they were going, "And here we go! It's Kirby Puckett." Yeah, the whole whole place just went nuts. Then that's perfect. So I have two, and I
1: hope they're somewhat timely. So I remember I was at the Buffalo House playing in a fall softball tournament during the early phases of the college football season, and with all the turmoil surrounding the University of Michigan. I remember watching Appalachian State beat Michigan in between softball games and most of us going, who the bleep is Appalachian (laughs) State? But we all knew that day. In fact, it might be Appalachian. I apologize if I pronounced it incorrectly. But then I'm filling in for Dave Cook perfectly. And then my other (laughs) one is actually at the high school level. And this wasn't that long ago. Duluth Marshall was playing Duluth East at Amsoil in their first tilt with Duluth Marshall moving up to double A. And Duluth East was favored to win handily. And I remember the first shot of the game appeared to go in for East. And it got waved off, the net came off, the whistle blew, the ref lost sight, whatever the reason was. And I was there as a media member, but I wasn't doing hockey on the radio yet. So I was there as a media member, but still very much an East fan. And Marshall ended up clobbering East that night. And everybody went, what in the world is this? And is this why Marshall went to double A? So I'll always remember that one. Dave Hoops, to close, what's the best way to enjoy the brewery this weekend?
3: I would definitely say uh, come on down and maybe hopefully take in the North Dakota game either on TV or go to the game and root for them after last night was kind of tough. Um, Come on down and then have some of the aforementioned beers and um, just a a rollicking good time. And again, wear your Jersey tomorrow and get free beer as we watch the Vikings roll and um, and we'll keep on coming all the way through the holidays.
1: Can't go wrong with that. That's a perfect segue. I'm bumping you out with the song Holiday because you have so many great holiday beers. Every Saturday with you, Dave Hoops, feels like a holiday. Thanks for joining us again.
2: Thanks, Dave.
3: Thanks, Brian. Thanks, John. You guys have a great rest of your show. Appreciate you.
1: Thank you very much, sir. That's our guy, Dave Hoops of Hoops Brewing. He's out in Madison. He's ready for the holidays at the brewery. I'll tell you what, John Carlson is in for Dave Cook. When we come back, the very first guy I called when Dave Cook was not available. Topher Davis joins us. Stick around. We'll be right back. California does know how to party. And I'll tell you what, this guy's a party every time I'm with him. But now he's all (laughs) the way out in California. So we get him when we can. Last weekend, of course, was our sixth anniversary of the show. This guy has been a huge part of all six years. In fact, his NSP debut was week two of our existence. Topher Davis is with us from sunny California, we assume. Is it sunny today? And good morning, Topher Davis.
4: Good morning, fellas. How are you today? Nice to see you or talk to you, Brian. Uh, Wish yes, I, could be you. I was going to say you can't uh, nice see me because you why? You <laughs> because radio is not a visual, visual media, medium. You right.
1: guys are great students. Go ahead.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and nice to see, or nice to talk to you too, John. Uh, thanks, um, um, Missing over. Dave as always, but I figured Dave's absence had to be planned because of the uh, six-year anniversary, right, Brian?
1: Yeah. Last week, not so planned. The COVID monster got him. I assume he was hoping to be here for that mm-hmm. one. But this week, I believe, and I could be getting this wrong, but I believe he has the honor of being a confirmation sponsor out of town. So this was
4: planned. Absolutely. Well, we we certainly missed. I always miss uh, hearing Dave. Hopefully he's back in studio next week.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's a pending breakup, but I do worry (laughs) when somebody misses the anniversary and the week after. But speaking of missing, I'm going to assume, because you've been an avid listener to the show, I'm going to assume that you caught the first segment when we did our wild what-ifs. And I did foreshadow that you might be all over this and you're a more avid wild fan than I am. So tell me how many we missed.
4: Well, I, I don't know if you missed too many. You definitely got the highlights in a lot of that. I mean, obviously the big one uh, involving the, the North stars not leaving in the first place. And uh, for me, I think that the Josh Harding thing is, is a big one because he was just starting to come into his own a little bit. And it was as the backstrom was, uh, you know, starting to uh, decline a little bit. And I think that created a, a vacuum in the net a little bit that we ended up getting the likes of Brizgalov coming in for a little bit and uh, other people trying to jump up, Darcy Kemper trying to figure it out, maybe a little faster than he would have because right. we know he ended up winning a Stanley Cup, but maybe he got forced in action a little faster because of the uh, Josh Harding. And, and the, the thing, I mean, obviously, with Josh Harding too, right? It's just so unfortunate, right? Yeah. It's not an on-the-ice injury or something like that.
1: Speaking of the Wild, we spent the first segment kind of going down memory lane with what this team was like, what this team could have been like. Is there reason to panic about this team now? Because I get that there's a ton of games left, but Jordan Leopold said last week, you know, you get to the 20-game mark, if you're still sub-500, you're in a world of hurt, and you look at this team as they play. Yes, there are injuries if you want to talk world of hurt, but this operation just doesn't look very good to
0: me.
4: Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting squad. I was actually just talking a little bit about this yesterday. The Wild are kind of, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I didn't come in with the highest expectations for this squad this right. year. I think uh, uh, a few players may have uh, o- well overachieved the last couple of years, and they're putting a, a lot of big investments into some of the veteran guys, but it feels almost like they're treading water until that Parisian pseudo- suitor buyout Expires, And I know you mentioned that as well, but that's kind of what it feels a little bit. I mean, I think even um, Dean's spot behind the bench almost has a uh, uh, you an know, expiration date on it right around that time when they uh, suddenly find a lot more cap space and can make some moves in free agency once again.
1: I agree with you, but here's the part that confuses me. And this week confused me even further, because if they're just trying to tread water until the financial situation improves... I would have thought they'd be treading water with younger players. I know that Addison wasn't setting the world on fire. The good Addison in Minnesota sports plays wide receiver, right. but to get rid of him and go with the Bogosian type, I don't understand why we keep bringing in these 30 plus year old veterans unless it's just more expiring contracts to be even that much financially free when, you know, the big free agent moves, like you say, can take place.
4: I think that's part of it, but I also know that there is um, a push from both Billy Guerin and, uh and obviously uh craig leopold to be competitive currently too right to not just totally throw in the towel and tank i think that there's a definite uh, want to have a uh, at least competitive product on the ice to, to keep filling that building in st paul i know you and dave uh love talking about the uh you know the the, the fan support the and all unconditional that, but I love think that, yes Mm-hmm. It could it could wane. There was a time when it actually was waning a little bit. I know that there was a, that waiting list for season tickets for many years and then suddenly there wasn't, right? Um, and that was before the Parisian suitor signing and revitalized everything a little bit. So I think that could wane um, so um, you know maybe letting those younger guys not p- forcing um, too many players into the, the NHL level too quickly. Um, but it's, it is interesting. It also seems like, um, Billy Guerin's trying to create a, uh, a different persona for the team as right. well, right? You talked about Jacques Lemaire, Jacques Lemaire having that defensive style, that trapping, that type of game. And now Billy Guerin wants to create almost like this toughness, right? You could see by his, uh, the way that he, he loves Marcus Felino so much, the extension they gave him. Uh, I, I like Marcus Foligno on the squad, but, the amount of money and the time they gave him on his extension was a little bit of a head-scratcher to me. And now bringing in Bogosian and obviously the love for Ryan Reeves last year, things things like that almost like to, to create that toughness and hopefully protect Kuro Kaprizov, but uh, he's got to pick it up a little bit himself too. Yeah.
1: I want to go down a level because another team that's expectations are kind of murky as well might be UMD on the men's side. And then, of course, the tragedy with Adam Johnson – you are an attorney, and I know this isn't your world of, of law, your area per se, but have you made the mistake of watching the video because I have, and, and do you think this investigation could lead to a legal mess? Uh,
4: well, uh, first off, I'll say I have not watched the video, and that was definitely by choice. Um, you know, I think probably similar to you, um, you know, end up getting notifications that something right. happened to Adam um, on that uh, it was, you know, that fateful Saturday night um, for, for us here. And uh, it was like, well, I, I I knew that the availability of video was out there, but after hearing how severe it appeared to be, I I didn't, I didn't want to watch it. I know that um, obviously it's just a huge tragedy, tragedy. Anyone who's ever, put skates on, right. And stepped on the ice. That's like the complete nightmare scenario. And I have obviously seen the, the Clint mental chick video from when he was at the skull tender with the sabers. And I think the only reason I've watched that one is because I knew he survived and, right. and was okay actually been afterwards. on this show as
1: well. But,
4: yep. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, um, so no, I didn't watch it. Um, obviously I've read a little bit more about some of the, uh, different views on the possible intent um, obviously, I don't think that there was any intent to cause what ultimately happened. The question is whether or not there was any intent to cause contact of some sort with his foot. Um, I, I think that there's going to be obviously a huge difficulty in trying to to show that. Um, I think, unfortunately, in the in the end, it'll just kind of be uh, a terrible tragedy. Um, hopefully, something is gained out of it. It is kind of heartening to to see how fast the neck protection has grown. Right. I no I mean, watching in the NHL games and, and, you know, UMD games last night, and just you see all the different players wearing the, new, the protective turtlenecks or strapping on the protection. Um, it's it's an easy fix, and it's something that hopefully now players will not worry so much about looking cool, right, and just kind of it'll become the norm, you know, as visors have kind of grown into right. it as well. And Do um, you feel so like the NHL that, needs to –
1: do you think the NHL needs to spearhead that and be the leader in requiring that kind of thing?
4: Um, it's it's interesting, right? Because obviously I think that if they do that, they will, you know, the, the lower levels will follow suit. Right. And yeah. then and, and suddenly it won't look weird or look different. And it'll, it'll want to look like their favorite players, right? And have the same sort of turtleneck. So um, there is value in that. Um, I can see, obviously, the NHL maybe taking a similar tact that they did with helmets, and face visors where they kind of grandfather it in and yeah. kind of have it required for the new players. But if you're existing, it's not required, but it's, you know, um, something that they, uh, would, would like to see happen. Um, so I think, I think it's going to, um, grow. And I mean, I think, uh, uh, it's something that that should happen. Right. I remember when I was, <laughs> you know, way back in, in, squirt D's, and the squirt D's is called mini mics now, I think. So, um, putting on that, that neck guard. So yeah. uh, it's something that I think that it's not anything crazy, and it's something that's such, such a fluky accident that can occur, So, and with with dire results, obviously, as we unfortunately saw with Adam Johnson.
2: Yeah, Wayne Gretzky made a good point in one of the pregames, talking about, you know, it's the mirror look. Uh, how do I look you know, in right. the mirror? I don't want to wear a helmet because I don't look good. I don't, you know, I got hockey hair going on here. And, you know, he was making the point of, like, hey, put the visor on. Don't worry about... How you look anymore when you're playing.
1: I was going to say aesthetics should take a giant backseat to being able to live another day without question. Speaking of living another day, Minor, I was better with Topher Davis. Topher, my last question for you is going to be two part parted. They're not really related at all. Minnesota sports as a market loves to be jealous of everybody else because everybody else is winning and we're doing Minnesota things. But what's the LA market like right now? Because the Rams are bad. The Chargers are a great team with a bad record. The Lakers aren't very good. The Kings are decent. The Clippers are decent. What's the L.A. vibe like? And then lastly, high school hockey broadcast-wise starts for us in two weeks. What's your thoughts on the new look of Section 7 with teams moving up and down?
4: Uh, Well, first off, obviously, uh, Los Angeles is an interesting market uh, because of the it's you've know, you got 87 teams out there. <laughs> people, and the, the wide variety, exactly, the wide variety of different teams uh, that are able to pick up. So so it's, it's very much a front-runner market, right? When the Rams won the Super Bowl a couple years ago, suddenly everyone's Rams fans, right? Lifelong Rams, Rams likes, fans, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Kelly likes to talk about how he, uh, when the Angels uh, won the World Series, uh, suddenly all of a sudden there's a bunch of angels fans that showed up, right? Yeah. They're not around anymore,
1: especially wait till Shohei leaves. They won't be around much.
4: Exactly. So it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting market in that area right now. I think, I mean, but one thing is true. It's always a Lakers market. Uh, the Clippers, I don't think have ever, ever going to gain a huge handle here, even if they are good, right? Right. There's still people that they should, but I digress. uh, I I agree. But yeah, they're going to still always, um, love their Lakers, but, um, uh, high school hockey, it's going to be fun. I think it's, it's going to be exciting to see um, some different looks in Section 7 um, on both the A and AA side with the moving up and down. Um, but And, you know, there's nothing better than high school hockey in Minnesota. So I'm looking forward to hearing you call more games because, as we all know, Brian, you're the man. Yep.
1: It's like he knows his outro music. <laughs> Bumping him out with a little G-Cinco. I'm the man. You are the man, buddy. I love you. Thanks for joining us again. Of course. Thanks
4: guys. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thanks John. Absolutely.
1: That's our guy. That's Topher Davis. Should have been part of the sixth anniversary, but just like the debut of the show, he was part of the week after. So we had him join us the week after our number one is done. Our number two is next PA wraps his head around the joy and pain that comes with being a Vikings fan. Northland sports page, Brian Prudhomme, John Carlson stick around. We'll be right back.
2: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.